Amen. If you got your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Matthew. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 21, uh, 18 through 22 this morning. So pastor's going to be in, back in the pulpit, hopefully in a couple of weeks. How many of you are excited about that? And he's going to begin, um, today I'm going to kind of do an introduction, but he's going to begin a, a series. We're going to move into a series here at Inspire Church called Mountains Move. Someone say mountains. Mountains move. And so this is going to be our theme text for the morning and for this series. And I just want to read it and we're going to get into the meat of what uh, the Lord has put on my heart today. But this is uh, Matthew chapter 21 verse 18. It says this early in the morning as Jesus was on his way back to the city, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree by the road, he went up to it and found nothing on it except leaves. Then he said to it, may you never bear fruit again. And immediately the tree withered. When the disciples saw this, they were amazed. And they say, how did the fig tree wither so quickly? Jesus replied, truly, I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt. Not only can you do what was done to this fig tree, but also you can say to this mountain, go Throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. If you believe, someone say, if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Wow. Oh yeah, let's give the word of the Lord a a round of applause. I, I, I don't have time this morning, and Pastor, when he launches into the series, he's gonna take some some time to unpack even this chapter. But what Jesus is actually dealing with in this chapter is he's dealing with the nation of Israel. It's the same chapter where Jesus cleanses the temple. And the fig tree we know in scripture represents Israel. And so really what Jesus is doing is he curses a fig tree. But how many know that it's not just the fig tree, it's what it represents. Jesus is actually dealing with the unfruitfulness of Israel. Amen? But but he uses this. Because the disciples see Jesus curse the fig tree and they marvel. And Jesus said, listen, not only can you do this, but he says, you can speak to mountains and mountains got to move. And then he goes into, if you don't doubt, if you believe, he says, you will have what you ask for in prayer. Now, of course, you know, it's so interesting that the Bible is just so powerful. I love the scriptures. And how many of you know that the scriptures can have double meaning? So when Jesus says, you can say to this mountain, be moved. Do I believe that we could, is it possible to move mountains? I do believe it's possible to move mountains. But how many know that when Jesus is saying to his disciples, you can move mountains, he's not just talking about a physical. He's saying you can move whatever is in your way. Because we know that mountains are real geological formations, amen? How many of you enjoy mountains? You know what I have found when you're talking to people on vacation, you find that people are either a mountain person or a beach person. When some people think about vacation, they think about white sand, clear water, beach. Fortunately, that's not Galveston, but we do the best we can, amen? We got some good restaurants. No, I'm just 
There's others, when you say, when you think of vacation, they think Colorado, they think the Rockies, they think Utah, they think, you know. Me, I, I, I like them both. I say, let's do one of each. And I'm just, why well, choose? But mountains are beautiful. They're, 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 they're these incredible geological formations. But mountains are also difficult to climb. Mountains actually, they're beautiful to look at. I don't know if we got any mountain climbers in here. Sometimes when you look at a mountain, you think, oh, it'd be cool to hike that mountain. It'd be cool to, listen, it's harder than it looks. How many of you have been there? And so when Jesus is saying you can speak to this mountain, we know that, can we move mountains? Yes, I believe we could, but, but also it's, it's a metaphor. Jesus is, this is a metaphor, but he's saying you can speak to the challenges and the towering obstacles that you will encounter on your journey. Because how many of you know, right, when we speak of destiny, right, it's, 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 it's a journey. It's not just a destination. It's a journey. And on our journey, it's not even optional. It's not even a maybe. It's not an if. It's, it, it, you, you will face challenges. You will face the obstacles. There's, there's no ifs, buts about it. We all face them. Is that right? And so Jesus says, you can speak to the mountain and the mountain has to move. So Before I go any further today, I want to ask that question. What is your mountain? What is your mountain? What is your mountain in this this season? Is it discouragement? Is it opposition? Is it temptation? Is it bitterness? Is it challenges? Is it rejection? There's so many different things that we face in life that as it were, it's as if a mountain was standing in front of that is, is between us and where we need to go. Amen. And I, I have, I, I stumbled upon this uh, story this week that I'm so excited to get into in first Samuel, but before I do, I want, to, I want to really quick read Mark's account of the same scripture. Really quickly, turn with me to the book of Mark chapter 11. So Matthew chapter 21, Jesus, this scripture we just read where he says you can move the mountains. He also, it's recorded in Mark 11. This is what Jesus says. In verse 22, he says, Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. Someone say, have faith in God. He says this, for assuredly I say to you, Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt. Someone say, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. These verse, these verses, this, this account are very similar, but notice in Mark's account, he places an emphasis. Matthew says, if you don't doubt, if you believe, you'll have what you ask for. Mark emphasizes this, if you don't have doubt in your heart. Someone say, in my heart. And this morning, I want to speak from you. I want to speak from you. <laughs> I want to speak to you from the subject, overcoming the mountain of discouragement. Overcoming the mountain of discouragement. When you look up the word discouragement in the dictionary, it literally means this, to be deprived of courage or confidence. But listen to this. This is what is also described. 
It means to be disheartened. To lose heart. Someone say to lose heart. And discouragement can be so crippling because Jesus says this. He says, you can speak to mountains to move. He says, if you don't have doubt in your heart. And so what happens, though, is sometimes because of the circumstances of life, because of things that we've been through, things that are happening to us, that we can reach moments of discouragement where we actually lose heart. And we can be standing in front of a mountain and you can read where Jesus says you can speak to this mountain. But what how do you speak to the mountain when you've lost heart? Let's be real for him. Can I get real for a second? It's hard. I know you can quote the scripture, but how many of you have been there where you've been in a situation where you've lost heart and you know the scripture says you can speak to the mountain, but you don't have the courage or you don't have the heart to speak to the mountain. Because if I could say it like this, sometimes we feel the pressure to always perform. In other words, this. Sometimes we think to be more spiritual means to be less human. And we forget. We look at people like Moses and Abraham and David. You know, we look at people like Moses and we say, man, you know, I got to pretend like, like I don't ever go through anything. Like I don't have doubts. Like I can't admit my doubts. I can't admit that I've lost heart. But then when actually you look in scripture and you look at people like Moses and you say, Moses had doubts. Abraham, the father of our faith, sometimes didn't have faith. David, who we're going to read about in just a second, incredible man. But when you look in the lives of the patriarchs, when you look into the lives of the heroes of scripture, you will see the humanness of their experience. And, and I would, I would submit to you this morning that actually what brings us into spiritual maturity and spiritual advancement is it's not, it's not whether or not we will face those things. We will because we're human. It's not about whether or not we will face them. It's what you do when it comes that matters. Oh, I'm already preaching this morning. It doesn't do us any good. See, you, you talk to some people and you say, how are you doing? Bless the Lord, I'm good. But are you really good? It's good to have faith, but it, sometimes it's okay to say, you know what? I'm actually not doing okay right now. I need help. I need, I feel disheartened right now. I need some courage. I need some prayer. There are times when it doesn't do us good to fake it till we make it. But in faith, trust God, even in the process of God, I trust you, but I feel broken. I trust you, but I feel discouraged. I trust. It reminds me of the man that came to Jesus and said, Jesus, I believe, but can you help my own belief? I'm preaching this morning. I feel it in this room. Like I just, there are times where you just have to be transparent. You find yourself I, I needed to tell somebody that because I, I feel like sometimes if you're facing discouragement, the enemy wants you to feel shame. 
And if you face discouragement, if you face brokenness, if you face different challenges, it doesn't mean you're less spiritual. It means that you're human. It's not about whether you're going to face it or not. And it doesn't mean that you're spiritual. It's what you do with the moment, how you react. That's what matters. As a matter of fact, I don't believe you get to, I don't believe you get to the place of great faith. I don't believe you get to the place of an Abraham. I don't believe you get to the place of a Moses. I don't believe you get to the place of a David until you've gone through those valleys. Until you've gone through those challenges. You don't get to those you don't you don't get to those places by faking it to me. You get but through going through it and allowing the Lord to show himself in those places. Are you with me this morning? So tell somebody, it's okay if you're facing something. It's what you do that matters. It's what you do next. Someone say, it's what you do next. And here's the story that I stumbled upon this week. And I, I, I love the book of 1 Samuel. Turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 30. We're in verse 1 this morning. Is, is this helping anyone this morning? It says this in in verse one. This is a story of David. And let me give some uh, a quick context. Don't have much time. David is anointed king when he's 17. He's either 17 or 18 years old when he's anointed king. But here's the thing. You know, how many know when we get a word from God, we're thinking, okay, about a week or two. It's all going to be good. (laughs) Have you, have you learned that our timing is not God's timing? <laughs> and have you learned that the Lord thinks years and decades? We think right now the Lord thinks decades and generations, right? So, so David's anointed king when he's 17 or 18, but he doesn't become king next week or next month. It's not, it, it won't be till 13 years later that he actually ascends to the throne. From the time that David is prophesied and anointed over till the time he takes the throne, it's some of the worst years of his life. And in 1 Samuel chapter 30, when I say it's some of the worst years of his life, the hand of the Lord was upon him and, and God was moving in his life. God never abandoned David, but David went through some extreme challenges. The man that should have been his mentor is jealous of him and tries to kill him. Saul rejects him. Remember, David's already come from a background of rejection. About a year and a half ago before COVID, I, taught, I preached a sermon called The Making of a King. If you, if you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to it. Not because I preached a good message, but because the Bible reveals incredible details about David's life that help us understand the process. Does that make sense? David's dad and brothers didn't even think much of him, right? So David's already come from a place of rejection. Then, his, the, then God puts his hand on his life and the man that should have mentored him is trying to kill him. Because Saul, who is the king, rejects David. Israel rejects David. And, 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 and David actually finds friendship and companionship and he finds belonging in, in some of the most unlikely of places. Later, we will read that these men are called David's mighty men. But David has hundreds of men that are with him that are loyal to him. And some of them are not even of the house of Israel. 
They're actually misfits. Some of them criminals, outcasts. So David is rejected by his own, but he actually finds himself in the company of men who love and and follow David passionately. And, And so by the time you get to first Samuel chapter 30, not only has he been rejected by Saul and, 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 and large portions of Israel, David is actually in first Samuel chapter 30, believe it or not, he's living amongst the Philistines. The Philistines are the arch enemies of Israel. If you'll remember, David once killed a Philistine. And in this chapter, it's one of the lowest moments of his life because then the Philistines, so he actually has to go and live among them and he's actually contemplating fighting with the Philistines, but then the Philistines turn on him. And in verse one of, of 1 Samuel 30, it says this, now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south And they started attacking Ziklag and burned it with fire. Now listen to this. And had taken captive the women and those who were were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but they carried them away and went their way. So while David and his men are away, the, 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 the Amalekites come and they actually take all of their women and children into captivity. It says this, so when David and his men came to the city and there it was burned with fire and their wives, their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. Listen to what it says. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more. Listen to this. No more power to weep. And David's two wives and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the the Carmelite had also been taken captive. Now listen to this. This is one of the lowest moments of his life. Now David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved. Every man for his son and his daughters. But listen, but David strengthened himself in the Lord. Oh, yeah, well, you can clap for that. So David finds himself in this place. He's living amongst his enemies. They turn on him. And while they're away, the Amalekites take their wives and children into captivity. And at this point, David's been through so much. He has spent the last 13 years running from Saul. And now they get back and their their wives and their kids are gone. And now the men, listen to this. The only people that David had were his 600, the, the mighty men of David. Many of them would be called some of the greatest warriors that Israel ever had. The men that one time, you remember the story where they fought through a garrison to bring David water from Bethlehem. Because he in passing said, I, you know, I would love to have some water from my hometown. The men that loved him were so discouraged, distressed, and in grief, they actually started to turn on David and said, let's stone him. This is the, this is the lowest of the lows for David. But, someone say but. David 
encouraged himself. He strengthened himself in the Lord. Someone say in the Lord. Listen, I love how the NIV puts this in verse first Samuel verse 30 verse 6. This is what it says. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But listen, the NIV says this, but David found strength in the Lord. So one, one version says, but David strengthened himself in the Lord. Another one says that he found strength in the Lord, which is it? It's both. David went to the Lord. He encouraged himself in the Lord and he found strength there. But I love, I love what it says. It says he found it. Come on. Someone say he found it. He found it. I told you a moment ago, it's, it's not if you're going to face these kind of moments. It's, it, it's when. It's what you do when they come. Because this is the lowest point. And you can understand. And if anyone had a reason to sulk and feel sorry for themselves and to sink into to further discouragement or further disappointment, it's David at this moment. And it says that he was greatly distressed. Remember, I told you people of great faith face challenges. But in his distress, something kicked in and said, I got to go to the rock. I got to go to the fortress. I got to go to the strong tower. And listen, it says it says that he found strength. And I want to my first point today is this. The first thing David did when he found himself discouraged, not just discouraged, but greatly discouraged. He sought God first. Someone say first. This is so important. Someone say first. You know, and, and that's easier said than done. This is where I want to get real for a second of moments of great stress, of moments of great grief, of moments of great discouragement. It may be easy to tell somebody you need to seek the Lord first, but sometimes our natural reaction is to run to everything but God. It's to run to whatever brings us comfort, whatever will bring immediate relief. Hey, listen, I, I, I'm not against it. I love it. But listen, he didn't say first run to the golf course or first run to the to, 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 to find comfort in food. Or, you know, when, when, when you're feeling discouraged or numb, just put on Netflix and forget about everything and numb yourself. No, nothing wrong with that. I watch Netflix. I love sports. Sports and hey, I'm getting into golf. I, there's nothing wrong with none of that. But 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 we got to learn what the first reaction needs to be. No, not let me escape into something that's going to try to just pacify or, or numb me. No, it needs to be. I need to get into the presence of the one who can not only restore me but can turn this situation. And this is what it says. He sought the Lord, right? And, and do you know that when you read Psalms 4 and Psalms 18, David says these words. He says, when I was in distress, I called to the Lord. And scholars believe that Psalms 4 and Psalms 18 were written at this period of David's life. When David felt himself grieving and he was discouraged and he looked around and he said, even the men that have loved me and have been loyal, even they're turning on me. He says, I went into the presence of God and I cried out in distress. And the Lord heard me. I'm paraphrasing. In both Psalm 4 and Psalm 18, you will hear 
this. And so that's my first question is where do you go first? I'm preaching to myself on that one too, just FYI. Where do you go? Where do you go first? That matters. Because you know what? Whatever we lack, he has in abundance. And you see, the Bible says that he encouraged himself in the Lord. It doesn't tell us specifically what he does. But listen, all we got to do is look, what are his patterns? You know, a lot of times we say, man, what was it about David? What was his secret? It's actually very simple. Just look at the patterns of his life. What made one of the things that made David special was that he was always quick to go into God's presence. There were many reasons why he was a special person. There were many reasons why David did the things that he did. But I'll tell you, if you just look at his patterns, when the Bible says that he strengthened himself in the Lord, I don't think it's hard for us to determine what that must have looked like. I'll tell you what I think it looked like. I think it first looked like, Lord, I need your help. See, it's it's okay to be at that moment where all you can do is say help. David said, I cried. Someone say, I cried. I cried to the Lord and he heard me in my distress. So this is what I think it looked like. It started out with tears. It started out with pain. I'm crying. But here's what I think happened because I just, I know his patterns. Then it turned into praise. It started out with, I cried to the Lord. But you know what? He started to feel his help. Then he started to praise. He said, Lord, I I magnify your name. Your your name will be on my lips. Your praises, I will sing. It started, I'm going to tell you what I think. Then it it turned into praise. And the next thing you know, I think it turned into worship where David just got lost in the presence of God. And what happened was a man that was at his lowest point, God began to strengthen him. And here's, here's what also fascinated me. It's the next verse. In verse seven, so the Bible says that David strengthened himself in the Lord and NIV says he found strength in God. What David did is he got alone with God until God began to turn. See, see, the first thing that God does is he turns it around in you before he turns it around in your situation. And so David began to find his strength rise up because see, in the era of self-help, I believe in self-help, but there are some times when you can't help yourself. You got to get into the presence of God and say, God, help me, help me, help me. I don't have the strength. That's why he says he found it. There, there, you don't have it. You've got to find it. And there's a place where it can be found. Anyone ever been there where you felt so weak? You felt so, you, you had no peace, but all, you, 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 it was so difficult for you to even get through the moment. But all of a sudden, after a period of time, after you sought the Lord, all of a sudden you begin to feel something. Where's that peace coming from? Where's that strength? It's coming from your help. And then it says this in verse seven, listen to what David said. First uh, Samuel verse 30, verse seven. After David encouraged himself in the Lord, this is what it says. David said, I hope I'm saying his name right. <laughs> to Abither, the priest, bring me the ephod. And he brought the ephod to David. And it says, so David inquired of the Lord. 
Someone say he brought the ephod. This is so fascinating and I don't want to spend a lot of time on this this morning. But the ephod was the garment that the priest would wear. It was actually forbidden and unlawful for anyone to wear this garment that was not a priest. And you'll remember another story may be coming to mind. Remember when David was having the Ark of the Covenant brought back to Israel. The Bible says he put on the ephod of the priest and it says he danced before the Lord with all of his might. With all of his might. But that wasn't the only time. In this story, the Bible says that David sent for the ephod. What's so fascinating is that David is not a priest. Because David is an anomaly in scripture. He, he is actually a, a walking prototype of the future. David walks in three primary anointings. Prophet, priest, and king. It's interesting that when we think about David, we, we think about his kingship. We forget how great of a prophet he was. In fact, David is the most quoted prophet in the New Testament. Jesus quotes the Psalms and, and David more than any other person in, the, in all of the Gospels, in the Gospel writers, they reference many of the prophets, but none more than the book of Psalms. David has an incredible prophetic anointing on his life. So while he's anointed by God, he's functioning as a prophet, priest, and king. And when I say priest, he's, he's, he's functioning by revelation and by grace into a de- an era of grace. Oh, I don't think you heard me. By revelation and by God's grace, he's actually functioning as a prototype for the New Testament. So even though David's not a priest, God made an allowance for David on many occasions. You remember the time that he went into the temple and ate the showbread? But it says that David brought the ephod. Why? Because whenever the priest would minister and inquire of the Lord, they would put on the ephod. And so David, being the, proto, the New Testament prototype, even though he, he was like a type and a shadow in the Old Testament. So David says, bring me the ephod. Someone say, bring me the ephod. And here, here, here's what's so important. It says that he inquired of the Lord. That's my second point is this, is that when you're facing discouragement, disheartment, disappointment. You've got to seek him first, right? That's, 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 that's getting into your closet. That's the cry for help. That's the worship. That's the praise. But what do you do next? Now you need to inquire, Lord, I need a word. Because here's why. Whenever we find ourselves in a moment of discouragement, despair, disappointment, you never want to make major decisions in, in that state. Anyone ever made a decision in a moment of discouragement or despair that you regret? Because see, when you're facing that moment, it's hard to see beyond the circumstance. But God can speak a word about your future in your present that allows you to see beyond the moment. Whew. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't make decisions out of discouragement or disappointment. Listen to what the Bible says. So David inquired of the Lord saying, shall I pursue 
this troop. In other words, David was saying, Lord, should I go into battle? Shall I overtake them? He went into the, he's now, he's, he's got his praise on. He's got his worship and God has strengthened him. Now David said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Shall I pursue them? Shall I overtake them? Listen to what the Lord speaks to him. And he answered, pursue for you shall overtake them. And without, listen to this, and without fail, recover all. Hold on, hold on. I need you to say that with me. I say, recover all. Let's say it again. Recover So David says, I'm going to bring me the ephod. We need a word from God. God, what now, what now that there's strength in my body again, because remember what is discouragement when you're discouraged, the courage is ripped from you and you've lost heart. But now his heart begins to rise up in him as he's found strength in the Lord. And now he's starting to say, okay, now, now that I got my strength back, he goes, I can't just sit here. I need to know what to do next. Because when you find yourself discouraged, right? There's a time where you've got to sit in his presence. There's a time where you've got to let, allow the Lord to minister to you. There's a time, but then there's a time where you can't sit because if you just stay there, nothing's going to change. And so the Lord, David said, Lord, what do you want me to do next? And he goes, you know what? Pursue them and you're going to recover all. And what's, what's so fascinating about this, I love this because when it says that David, it says that he sent for the ephod to inquire. This is what Hebrews chapter four, verse 14 through 16 says about you and me. Seeing now that we have such a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help. Someone say to help in our time of need. So David, out of revelation and grace, takes an ephod that he's not qualified to wear. But from the high priest. But in the New Testament, we have a new high priest. And here's what's so amazing. The scripture says he's made us to be priests and kings. So so when David was distressed, he knew how to go into the presence of the Lord, but he knew how to inquire. Someone say inquire, even though he wasn't even, do you, do you realize that, you know, a lot of times people say, man, I wish I lived in Moses's day. I wish I lived in David's day. I wish I lived in Elijah's day. Do you know that they looked at you and said, I wish I lived in Irving's day and pastor Tony's day and and miss Marcella's day. Do you understand that they looked, they said, you know why? Because David had to do a prophetic act and wear an ephod when he wasn't even qualified. But in the new Testament, you're qualified to run before the throne of grace. He says, come bold in your time of need and if David can inquire of the Lord under the old covenant how much more can you go before the Lord and say Lord I need your help I need a word and matter of fact he says come and come boldly come boldly because see in his presence David found strength but when God gave him a word he found hope 
See, you need a word from God. That's why you need a word from God. Because when a word from God comes, it brings hope. You want, you want to see discouragement melt off your life? You want to see despair melt off your life? Let God speak to you. All of a sudden, hope begins to rise and faith begins to rise. That's why the Bible says faith comes by because why? You got to hear something. The Bible talks about the, 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 the sick. It says that they would hear from afar that Jesus was healing people. And when he would come to town, they would say, I've heard that you're healing people. Will you heal me? See, if you hear something. And God spoke to David and said, David, pursue them. You're going to recover all. Someone say the word brought hope. And I'm almost done. Are you with me this morning? And here, here's the other crucial step. My, my last point. Is that he took action. Someone say action. Because when you get a word. You can run with it. Because. Whenever you take action. You begin to create momentum for the circumstance to change. Whatever that mountain is, whenever you act upon it, that word from God, you begin to create the, the momentum that's needed for the reversal to take place. Listen to what 1 Samuel chapter 30 verse 18 says. It says, so David recovered all. Someone say all. That the Amalekites had carried away and David rescued his two wives. And nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great. Sons or daughters, spoil or anything which they had taken from them, David recovered it all. Then David took all the flocks and the herds they had driven before those other livestock and and said, listen, he said, this is David's spoil. The Bible says you're more than a conqueror. You don't just win, you conquer. Because you know what conquerors do? They don't just win a battle. They come home with spoil. I just, I just, that's just a prophetic word. I just feel that unction in my spirit. You're coming out of this season, not just with victory, but spoil. Everything that the enemy has tried to take. Not only are you going to come out with victory, you're going to come out with spoils because the Bible says you're more. Someone say, I'm more. I'm more through than a conqueror. Listen, and here's the thing. And sometimes you don't, maybe you don't get back what you lost. Maybe God will give you something better. Maybe God will give you something that you never thought you could have. Maybe God will bless you. You lost that job. Maybe God will give you a better job. A job that you thought you were not qualified for. One that you never thought you could obtain. God will give a miracle. God will give something that you didn't even expect. So I can promise you this. He's either going to bring recovery or he's going to bring something better. Because God doesn't do that. He doesn't give you anything less than you have. So at, at the bare minimum, you're going to get it back. At the, at, but, but sometimes, and mo- most of the time, he gives you something better. All I can tell you is this. You're not going to end up with less. Amen. But here, I, I want to close because I got to preach this last point. What's so remarkable about this story, I, I, I got to say this. What's so remarkable about this story is that this is one of the lowest moments of David's life, right? In this moment. All seems lost. Even his wives and kids are gone. And you know, in this, the beginning of this chapter and his own men are turning on him. Here's what's so crazy about this. First Samuel 30, right after this chapter, Saul is killed and David is made king. 
Isn't it amazing? Like, do you ever step back, even when you look back on your life, at your lowest moment when you wanted to throw in the towel, when you were the most discouraged, when you were in the most despair? You, you, you look back now, you didn't know it then, but you were so close to a victory. You were so close to a breakthrough. I, I, I needed to tell somebody that today because you don't understand. I know how it must look now, but you have no idea how close you are to things turning around. Because at David's lowest moment, he was one Because see, this had been a journey. If, if, if they could put up this slide, I got a picture. I saw this timeline of David's life and this is so accurate. See, you see, it's a timeline of David's life. Because see, that's how destiny looks. You know, sometimes we romanticize purpose. We think, oh, I'm going to get a word from God and everything's going to be great. But actually, in reality, it looks more like this. It looks more like this and this and this and valleys. And then, see, see, you, you don't get to purpose. You don't get to destiny without having to face mountains. You don't get to destiny. You don't get to purpose without having to face giants. You just don't. Because there's something about trial. There's something about challenges where God establishes in you not only the character, but the very thing he will use the challenge and the circumstance to bring out of you what he's placed in you. And had David thrown in the towel because he could have thrown in the towel at that moment, he should have said, he could have said all is lost. There's no hope for me. And I want to encourage you. You're still holding on a promise. Imagine being David. He's 30 years old when this is taking place. He was anointed at 17. But he doesn't take the throne until he's 30. And so he's at the end of a very hard journey in this chapter. And he does face other challenges in the future for sure. He faces some difficult things. But this is the end of a long season of trial and challenges for David. And in that critical moment when he was grieved and distressed. What was the wisdom of David? Is that he had created a pattern. He didn't know what else to do. Ever since he was a little boy and was rejected. All he knew on those hills outside of Bethlehem was to sing to the Lord. And to worship. See, sometimes we don't understand the things that we've gone through, how they've shaped us. God may not have orchestrated it all, but he used it. And David found his help. And I want to close with this. With these application points. When you find yourself in a place of great discouragement, despair, disappointment. Do you know, actually, I believe this is one of the greatest lessons a believer can learn it's, it's the lesson, and I think it's an art form of learning how to encourage yourself in the Lord. Because you're going to have to, do, how, how many of you have learned that? You're going to have to do that many times on the way to your journey. There's going to be times when other people can't help you. There's going to be times when you want to quit. There's going to be times when you're tired. There's going to be times when you're weary. There's going to be times when you're discouraged. And I want to tell you, learning how to encourage yourself in the Lord, that's an art form. That's something that you learn. By walking with him. So the first application is this. Seek the Lord first. Someone say first. Come on, someone say first. And find your strength in him.
said in another place, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The second thing is this. After you've sought him, inquire in his word. A word can change everything. One word from God. I got to tell you this quick in 30 seconds. Have you ever been there, right, where, where, you, where you were discouraged and, and God used somebody to, to send you a text message or send you? Anybody ever had somebody call you at just the right moment and say, the Lord put you on my heart? I was praying for you last night. You remember those moments where that phone call changed everything because God used somebody? I tell you, it's amazing to be on the receiving end of that. It's also amazing when God can use you to encourage somebody else. A few years ago, that happened to me on accident. I just got to tell you this really quick because it illustrates this. I had a friend, I won't mention his name because I didn't tell him I was going to tell the story, but he won't mind. I'm not going to use his name though. He had a business and I, I knew he had a business and we were close, but I hadn't talked to him in a long time. And so I go to bed one night and I had a dream about him. And in the dream, he was on the local uh, news station and he was talking about his business and it was exploding. And, and in the dream, I remember him saying something like, I never thought I could reach this height. I never thought we would be here. And so I woke up and I'm thinking, that's weird. I haven't seen him in a long time. I had this dream. I'm like, did I eat too much pizza last night? Because I, I actually don't have a lot of dreams like that. I'm not going to sit up here and be like, oh, I, I go to sleep every night and I have visions. No, it's not like that. So I reached out. I just, I said, Lord, if this is you, I just, I just feel like I need to share this. I messaged my friend. I said, I had this dream about your business last night. I don't know if this means anything. Pray about it. He said, when I sent him the dream, he said, I was just about to sign my business away. You know, I was calling it quits. He goes, thank you. I'm going to keep going on. And we left it at that. But check this out. About six months later, I'm scrolling on my social media. And he posts. He's on TV being interviewed about his business. And his his business had become so successful. He had to hire. He now, he now, even now, the other day he posted, he's expanding and I messaged him and I said, isn't God good? You know what he told me? He said, I often revisit that dream you sent me because that was the, what well, was one of the defining moments. He goes, I was about to sign off the business. I'm telling you that, that story, not because of me, but because God gave him a word. And, and so many, I know I've been on the receiving end of that. All, listen, that word can come from many places. Someone may call you. Someone may say, call you up and say, I was praying. Or you know what? It may come from that morning alone time you have with the Lord when you're in the word and he speaks to you from your word. All I know is this. After you've sought the Lord, you've got to get in his presence and you've got to inquire and say, okay, God, what's next? I need a word for this season. And God will speak to you. And the third thing is this is you've got to then you've got to act because tell your neighbor you can't stay there too long it's okay to find yourself in that place the 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 point though is this you don't want to live there you're just passing by amen you're just passing by 
Don't put a, I heard Tommy Tenney say years ago, don't put a period where God's just trying to put a comma. You're just passing by. This is just a, a temporary season. Amen. Would you stand with me to your feet in this room? I'm, I, I want to pray for us this morning. Did this help anybody this morning? Did the Lord use this? Amen. With our hands lifted. This has been an incredibly difficult year and season. Life in and of itself, by itself, already comes with all of its challenges and difficulties. But even this past year has, has only magnified that. So I don't, I don't know what you're facing today. But I wrote this down. This I can be sure of. I don't know how God is going to move in your circumstance. I don't. I can't sit here and say he's going to move the same way. All I know is this, is that he, wanna, he wants to lift the burden. He wants to strengthen you today. He wants you to be encouraged in him. He wants you to find strength. And here's, here's what I do know. Some way... Or one form or another, that mountain is going to move. How it moves, we'll have to wait and see. You'll have to walk that out with him, but it will move. Amen? But before I pray for all of us today, right now in this room and, and even watching me right now through the live stream, we, we don't want to let any service pass without giving someone the opportunity to receive the Lord. So I want you, if you're in this building right now and you say, you know what? I need him. I need the Lord of my life. I just want you to slip up your hand. I already see hands coming up. I see hands all across this room. Online. We have prayer counselors who are going to be there to pray with you in just a second. We're going to pray a prayer. But hold on one second. Give me just one second. This is so important. This is why it begins with salvation. Because do you realize that when you receive the Lord, David said you get the benefit. Remember he said, remember the Lord and all his benefits. See, everyone else in the world, when they don't have strength, they have to go looking for it and try to find it. But do you realize as a child of God, you're the only, we're the only people on the earth that have access to this. And God wants everyone to have it, but it begins with salvation. That's why this is so important because you can't, we can't even talk about mountains moving until we move the greatest mountain of all and it's our need for a savior. So right now in this room, if you need the Lord or you're watching, I just want you to pray this prayer with me and then I'm gonna pray over all of us. Dear heavenly father, father, thank you that you're a great savior. Father, I need your grace. Would you forgive me of my sin? Wash me in the precious blood of the Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. This day I I make a declaration that you are the Lord of my life. Save me, Lord. Be the Lord and Savior of my life. In Jesus' name. Come on, can we get a round of applause to everyone that prayed that prayer? So listen, if you're in this room or you're watching online, they're going to put up this. If you just prayed that, all you got to do is text 
salvation to this number. If you need prayer or if you want to get baptized, all you got to do is text us. Uh, they're going to put that up on the screen in a little bit. But we want to walk. Th- we want to walk through this journey with you. Also, they're going to put this on the screen. If you want to join our daily devotional text, please make sure you join that. How many of you are enjoying that each and every day? You remember in the message where I talked about David had patterns? Aren't you? Isn't it amazing? That as a church, every single day, we are creating patterns of beginning our day in his presence, in his word. So if you want to join that, please, all you got to do is text join to this number here. But let me, I want to pray for you, Inspire Church. And before we're dismissed, I want to remind you that next week is going to be incredible. Pastor Lloyd is going to be with us. It's going to be phenomenal. But lift your hands with me. Father, I thank you so much for your word this morning. For your word to us, God. Father, I pray for all of those, God, who are facing a mountain. But God, today specifically, for those who are facing a mountain of discouragement. God, for those who are facing a mountain of disappointment. For those who are facing a mountain of despair, God. Father, I thank you. Your word says that you are ever-present help in our time of need. Father, we thank you, God, that like David, we can run boldly, boldly into your presence and before the throne of grace, God. Father, would you do today, I'm asking right now, Holy Spirit, would you do what only you can do in this place, God, for those who need strength, God, who can't find their strength. Father, would you allow them right now, even in this moment, Holy Spirit, begin to touch lives, begin to touch hearts. I thank you for strength that's rising, God. Father, I thank you for hope that's rising in your presence, Lord. I speak over their lives that this, this, this mountain, this discouragement, this situation, God, this is not their future. This is not the end. God, I thank you, God, that like David, you're going to meet them in their time of need. God, I thank you, God, that you're the God of restoration. God, you're the God who, who meets us in the middle of our mess, Father. And you, you, you don't just stand from afar, but you, you crawl down in it with us, Father. I pray for those who, who don't have the strength or the courage to keep on moving in this season. Father, we thank you that this is a season. They're going to mount up like eagles and soar, God. We thank you that we can speak to mountains and mountains have to move, Father. So, Lord, I declare this word over us as a church. I declare this over individual lives and we give you all the glory. Come on, Inspire Church. We give you all the glory. Come on, can I get a big in Jesus' name? In Jesus' name. I love you so much. God bless you. We'll see you this Wednesday night and next Sunday.